Crypto Crash. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another podcast by BNP Paribas Wealth Management. My name is Charles de Capoisson. Today we're going to discuss cryptocurrencies, a particularly hot topic at the moment. My guest today is Edmund Sheng, Global Chief Investment Officer of BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Hello Edmund, great to see you again. Even if people don't know much about cryptocurrencies, they've probably heard of Bitcoin. Could you please start by defining it? Yes. Unlike normal currencies, Bitcoin and other digital currencies are what we call decentralized. That means they're not backed by a single country, they're not controlled by a single central bank or government. It is basically distributed everywhere in the world using the technology called blockchain, which is basically a distributed database which keeps multiple copies of everything to do with the cryptocurrency like Bitcoin on its blockchain, which is a record of all the transactions that have ever occurred. And in this way, when you have this decentralized model, you effectively create a currency which doesn't depend on any sovereign country. So it's not tied to, for instance, the US government or anyone in Europe or anyone in Asia. Now, that is important for the proponents of Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, because at the moment, central banks have been, in quotes, creating a lot of money. And one of the beauties of the design of Bitcoin in particular is that there is a theoretical maximum of 21 million Bitcoins. There will never, ever be more than 21 million Bitcoins ever created. And in fact, most of them already exist. So there is something called cryptocurrency mining, where you do create more in effect. But again, this will trend only towards 21 million in the case of Bitcoin. So the number of Bitcoins being created slows and continues to slow until we reach this 21 million limit, at which point no more will be created. But that will take some years. But that is the principle. And that's why people have talked about cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin sometimes as, in quotes, digital gold, because they see it as a store of value. That is the theory, at least. The growing interest in cryptocurrencies in recent years drove up their prices. Bitcoin, for example, hit 68,000 US dollars at peak. Today, it is worth just over $20,000. In November of last year, the market value of cryptocurrencies was almost $3 trillion. That fell to $2 trillion by mid-April before collapsing from peak by 50% to $900 billion today. In a previous podcast, Edmund, I asked you if we were in a crypto bubble. Now, a year on, my question is, do you think the bubble has definitely burst? When something's down 70%, the answer is usually yes. However, I would remind you, Charlotte, that we've seen this story before. In fact, several times. There have been several occasions where Bitcoin, since its creation in 2011, has fallen by up to 85% from peak. So the fact that it's fallen 70% from peak today is actually nothing new. The difference, however, this time is the fact that cryptocurrencies have been much more widely adopted than in previous years, particularly by younger investors. And the value destruction from peak that we've seen, as you said, $2 trillion, is on a scale that we have just not seen before with cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin. So I would say, yes, the bubble has definitely burst. Will these currencies come back? Possibly. It very much depends on underlying confidence of investors, particularly retail investors. 
Now, there is one thing which is very clear here, which is that you have a number of Bitcoin whales. In fact, you have a very, very small number of accounts who hold a disproportionate number of the total Bitcoins in, in, in existence. So you have a, quite a few Bitcoin billionaires, as it were. They control a lot of the supply of Bitcoin, which means that actually retail investors, of which we can talk about you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, actually hold a very small proportion of all the Bitcoins in circulation. But they do tend to set the price because its price in financial markets of any sort are always set at the margin, the marginal buyer or the marginal seller. And clearly at the moment, there are many more marginal sellers than marginal buyers, which is why the price is falling so rapidly. Will they come back? Maybe. This all depends crucially on confidence on the part of retail Bitcoin investors. And that is uh, a psychological issue and is therefore something I can't predict. A financial dictum goes, when the tide goes out, you find out who is swimming naked. What does this crash reveal about the nature of cryptocurrencies? Well, as I said, a lot of proponents of, in particular, Bitcoin, had suggested it was like digital gold, a good long-term store of value. What this shows you is, even if that were true, that this is accompanied by enormous volatility which is not what you would normally associate with a long-term store of value. In fact, the volatility is extreme, as we see, down 70% from the peak, and this has happened several times since 2011. So you have to associate extreme volatility events with cryptocurrencies, precisely because they rely so much on the psychology of retail investors. And this flip-flops between fear and greed, particularly quickly, particularly in the case of these cryptocurrencies. So I think that that really is where I'm coming from. And I find it difficult to believe the store of value argument when you see this level of volatility. Edmund, there are now literally thousands of cryptocurrencies in existence with Bitcoin and Ethereum dominating in terms of size. Others include Luna, Terra, USDC, Day, Tether, Dogecoin, and Banana. Since the November 2021 peak, more than $2 trillion of cryptocurrency market capitalization has evaporated. The key question is this, if cryptocurrencies do not rebound soon, will this huge destruction of crypto wealth, similar to the bursting of the Nasdaq tech bubble in 2000, dissuade a generation of millennials from investing in anything in the future? I think that is a big risk, absolutely, because what we know from looking at the history of investor psychology is that the economic and financial market conditions that exist when they are young and starting out in the world actually form their investment experiences and drive their investment preferences through their whole lives. So in a sense, for people starting to invest today, if the first thing they invest in is, let's say, Bitcoin, and the first experience they have is Bitcoin falling 70% and destroying a lot of their wealth, that is going to effectively create a psychological scar in terms of their future investment behavior. That is certainly the risk. And as you mentioned, uh, Charlotte, if we look at the NASDAQ bubble up to 2000, or over 20 years ago, that did mark a generation of investors. And remember, it took 17 years for the Nasdaq to regain its peak level from March 2000. It didn't happen until actually relatively recently. So again, 
the high watermark in something like Bitcoin potentially may not be reached again for a long, long time. And that is going to, I think, potentially scar younger investors whose first or biggest investments are in cryptocurrency. Some cryptocurrencies are stable coins whose value is backed by another asset such as cash, treasuries or corporate debt intended to make them more solid or safer investments. But if investors of cryptocurrencies continue to redeem their tokens or coins and the sell-off movement accelerates, could this volatility spread to conventional financial markets? To be frank, if we look at the performance of conventional financial markets like bonds, credit, equities and other this year, they've already been incredibly volatile. So it's difficult to say that this crypto crash is going to make that volatility even worse. It's like the tail wagging the dog, really. I think all financial markets, including cryptocurrency, have already been remarkably volatile this year. So I don't think, given the size of the cryptocurrency markets overall, compared to, let's say, property, cash, bonds or equities, I don't think that that's likely. I think the point is that they're already all very volatile, Thanks to the prevailing economic conditions, the risk of recession and so on, those are the primary drivers of volatility as opposed to anything else. Edmund, if prices of cryptocurrencies have come down so much, wouldn't it be a good opportunity for your clients to start buying? I mean, what is your position at BNP Paribas Wealth Management? Well, first of all, our position is always the same with regards to our clients. The investments we advise our clients have to suit our clients. They have to fit our clients' profile for risk, and other considerations as well, such as sustainability and so on. We have to take into account the needs and desires of our client. And I think for the majority of our clients in wealth management, firstly, the age profile, most of our clients are not young. So I think they would struggle to understand the cryptocurrency market. They would struggle to understand the long-term potential benefits or not, and the methodologies. And I always advise, number one, Never invest in something you do not understand. So that already rules out most of our investors, most of our clients, I would say. Secondly, the extreme volatility of cryptocurrencies and the lack of a long-term history. As I said, Bitcoin doesn't really go back further than 2011 when it was created. And in reality, as an investment, you're really looking more at the last five or six years only, which is a very, very short period. It's very difficult to draw any sort of conclusions from that. So I would say due to the lack of history, and the extreme volatility of these assets, we would argue that they are clearly not suitable for the risk profile of most clients. So the way we like to tackle this is to say, well, firstly, we need to know more about this market, and that will take more time. And most importantly, we think there are other better ways to invest indirectly in this trend, which is via, for instance, blockchain technologies, semiconductor chips, because again, for crypto mining, you need graphic processes which are based on semiconductors. So I would rather invest in the underlying picks and shovels for the underlying blockchain technology, which has, by the way, a lot more applications potentially than just cryptocurrencies, than in cryptocurrencies themselves. That is our position at the moment. Emma Shink, thank you for joining me today. And to our audience out there, if you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share and subscribe to our podcast channel by searching for BNP Paribas Wealth on any podcast provider such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Podcast Addict. Goodbye!